0: Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Want to let you know of a couple things happening coming up uh, on Thursday night, 6 o'clock outside. We're going to enjoy Christmas Eve celebration, and I hope you can join us for that. Um, there'll be plenty of room. You don't have to RSVP; just come, and we'll be distanced outside. It'll be a great thank you, Philip. Great time together as we celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, as we sing carols and read the Christmas story. And I just hope it'll be you'll make that a part of your Christmas celebration. Also, it's almost time for the new year. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Is everybody ready for the new year? We'd pretty much like to do some more 2020. I mean, that would be fun, right? Let's do that again. Let's just run it back and do it all over again, right? Um, on the sixth, we're going to have our first pray first uh, night. Um, it's Wednesday, January sixth at 6:33. Right here, we're going to be praying. What a great way to begin the new year, right? Just to gather and pray. God, make us who you want us to be. In this new year, right? God, do what you want to do. We want to see amazing things happen. So we'll be gathering for that uh, on the sixth, and uh, also the uh, on the second, the day after, um, which is the day after the first. Actually, the day after New Year's Day, we'll be gathering to actually do um, Church Undecorate Day. So um, it's one of my. It's, I love that name, Undecorate Day. You know, we take down all these things you see behind us. And uh, we need a good crew. It won't take long. And there'll be good donuts and good times had by all. So that's going to happen on January 2nd. As Phil said, we're in this series called Christmas in Chaos. And we're having Christmas even though there's chaos, right? We're going to have it. We need it. Almost worse than we need a Hallmark movie, we need a little Christmas. And we need it now, right? We need to have a celebration of Jesus. Even in the midst of chaos, in the midst, midst of a crazy crazy year. Maybe that's why we have crazy years, so we can look forward to Christmas and to Jesus, right? Well, as a part of that, we'll be in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, so if you want to turn your Bibles to that, go ahead and be doing that. When I was in high school, I was, um, I thought, being groomed to be the starting quarterback for the high school football team. I just thought I'd share that. I just... I think that's something to celebrate, and I know some of you are shocked by that, but uh, I was i was an average athlete, probably, in high school, and I was excited. I thought, this is going to be glory. I'm going to lead this team. We were a pretty good team back in St. Louis, and I thought, this is going to be awesome, and as a freshman, I, I started on the freshman team as quarterback. As a sophomore, we had a sophomore team, and I got to start at quarterback there, and I think we won uh, a couple games, a few games, maybe, Um Then when I got to be a junior, uh, I thought maybe I would get to start, but I I didn't. And then a guy moved into the district, who was incredible. I mean, he was a great quarterback already, and I watched him play in practice. I thought, well, this is no good. (laughs) How could this be? This. This kid is is younger than me, and he's everybody thinks is better than me, I think. And sure enough, soon it was clear he was going to be the starter. And I had a decision to make I could hate him, I could pay someone to break his legs. I mean, I wouldn't think of doing that. I thought maybe you would think of that. But I, I, I didn't know what to do, and I thought, this is, this is terrible. This guy is coming, and he's taken my opportunity for glory. It's not fair. I had a decision to make. Maybe you've had that decision come up in your life. Someone has moved into your life, maybe a new boss. You're like, wait a minute, I, was, I should have gotten that job. Or this person doesn't have no right to take the job. Or maybe there's been an adjustment in your family. Maybe you've got a new in-law, a new child, a new something that is suddenly taking away from your joy or maybe your glory or your opportunity. See, there's a decision to make. What are we going to do in that situation when someone kind of moves in and takes what we think is ours? Maybe a life circumstance that's happened this year that's kind of, kind of eroded your position and kind of made life harder for you. See, Herod is going to have to make a decision like this in Matthew chapter 2. He's going to have to decide, what am I going to do with this new king who's just been born? How do I respond when I am king, I think? Look with me at Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, and this is the story of the Magi, or the three wise men, or the three kings, some people have called them. Um, Look with me at Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. This is a crazy verse, if you understand biblical history at all. Here's Jesus being born in Jerusalem, or being born near Jerusalem. Here's Jesus being born, but in Jerusalem, these, these guys show up. These wise men, they're called. Or in Greek, it's magi, and they're people who—they're three guys, or maybe four or five. We don't know how many, really. We just know there were three gifts. A lot of people think there was three kings or three wise men, but we really don't know how many. It could have been a whole gaggle of them. But they show up in Jerusalem, and they're from the east. Nobody knows exactly where, but maybe Babylon because there was a Jewish community there and maybe they got their prophecy there. But they, they show up in Jerusalem saying, we saw this star and there's a king that's been born. What? W- wouldn't, wouldn't God announce it to his own people? It's a crazy thing. These, these guys show up and they say, we're from the east and there's a king that's been born. You see, magi were guys who were specialists in astrology, which was connecting what happens in the stars with what happens on earth. Now, we know that's, that's not how you want to do your theology, right? So don't get confused and run to the horoscopes tomorrow and go, oh my goodness. Um, but they were experts in the stars, right? They were experts in dream interpretation. They were very sharp in science. They put that all together, And somehow, they saw something that was very different, very amazing. Could have been uh, planets aligning, could have been that, that kind of got their attention at first. But somehow, God got their attention. The combination of what they saw in their work, what they saw in the skies, and some knowledge of Jewish prophecy. Some knowledge of Jewish prophecy plus some circumstances said, I think there's a new king. Matter of fact, there's there's got to be a new king that's been born. Let me ask you, what combination of things did God use in your life? See, it's often, it's not just one thing usually. It's not just one testimony, not just one sermon, or maybe even one passage of Scripture, but it's often circumstances combined with what people are saying and how God is leading you to the point He draws you saying, I know this is Jesus, right? Right? It's a combination of things that he uses, and we don't know all that he used, but we know that God moved supernaturally in the life of magi to draw them to worship Jesus. God moved supernaturally in the life of outsiders to draw them to come and seek Jesus. Only God could do that. Oh, I'm so grateful that he did that for me. Has he done that for you? you responded to him to say, there's got to be Jesus. I've got to go find him. I, I've got to respond to what he's done in my life. And that's what's happened in these magi. And they probably came, and this, was, this wasn't just a little like, hey, let's go stop by the worship service today. Or, hey, let's just go tune in on YouTube or on Facebook. This was a big deal, probably 700 miles 700 miles on camel. Doesn't sound like really a glorious trip, does it? Probably weeks, possibly months to get there. God was really doing something in their lives. And they knew they needed to come and worship. But they came to Jerusalem, and listen to what happens in Jerusalem when they arrive. Verse 3. When Herod the king... Always interesting. I have to to stop because every time I read that, it just kind of gets me. Jesus the king is born, but Herod is king. See that? See the tension there? Herod the king hears about Jesus the king being born. Now, there's going to be a problem, isn't there? Um, Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, distressed, possibly even terrified that word means, and and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where this Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophets, and this is a quote from Micah, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So here's Herod. You may wonder, who's Herod? Well, Herod was a half-Jew. He was very shrewd in how he dealt with the Romans. He, he rose up in the ranks to where he was named king, appointed king by Rome, because he was able to make deals with them, and he was able to heavily tax Israel and give Rome what they wanted, give them a level of peace, and allow him to rule the people. But He was a very brutal man. He was paranoid. He, in fact, had several sons and a few wives put to death to preserve his throne. See, kings know how to stay king. That's why they're king. Matter of fact, Caesar is is known to have said that it would be safer to be Herod's pig than to be his son. That's who the king was at this point. And it says that Herod, when he heard this, he was troubled, he was distressed, he didn't like it, I've got to do something about that, because why? Because kings eliminate other kings, right? I've got to do something about this, he's already eliminated sons and and wives, why would he allow this king to live, potentially, right? But it also says all of Jerusalem's upset, all of Jerusalem is terrified and worried and concerned and troubled, why, isn't this their king? Isn't this the one they've been waiting for? Don't they know the prophecy? Don't they think this is going to be great? This is the king? Well, apparently not. And when he says all of Jerusalem, he's likely referring to the leadership, the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees. They're concerned because this king could disrupt the relative peace that they've known. Don't miss this. God's people don't always want a king. Often, God's people will say, you know what, we're kind of satisfied. We've got a kind of a status quo. Things are pretty fine. I don't really want a new king coming in and messing things up for me. I like things the way they are. And they're troubled and they're worried. Why would this new king come? They're also probably thinking, if it were the king, if it were Messiah, if it were the Christ, surely they would come and tell us first. Surely we would be the first to know because we are the ones who know Scripture better than anyone. Oh, let me just tell you, we always need to be worried about pride, don't we? See, God's capable of doing stuff outside of us. God's capable of taking outsiders and bringing them miraculously to the inside. That's who God is. I want to encourage you, if you feel like you're an outsider today, God is drawing you in. As a church, we want to be a part of that process. It's a wonderful process to see people come from the outside and move to the inside, to be close to Jesus. That's what God does. Our role is to help that happen. That's why we have life groups. That's why we have church. That's why we do discipleship. That's why we meet. It's not just about us. It's about drawing people in, and that's what God is doing here through the Magi. So Herod's upset. The people are upset. Prophecy's being fulfilled. And what happens next? Verse 7, Then Herod, he summoned the wise men secretly, and he ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. Interesting. Herod wants to know what time it appeared, because then he knows the earliest possible point that the child could have been born, so that later he can eliminate the child. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Amen? Herod doesn't want to worship him. Hey, you go and you worship and you come and tell me how it was. And you tell me about this child so I can go cut his throat, right? That's, that's what Herod wants to do, right? And you wonder, well, how, why? if? if how is Herod sending these, these magi to go check out this child? Why doesn't he go himself? Kings don't worship kings, do they? They eliminate kings. Herod shows up, he's either got to eliminate this king or he's got to worship him. Pretty awkward position to be in, right? I'm thinking, why doesn't he send some really cracked troops out there, you know, some really sharp uh, rangers or green berets or something to follow these guys and to check? I think he's concerned if I send my people... See, kings don't send others to worship another king either, do they? So he trusts the magi, and he sends them out. Go find out what's going on over there. And come back and tell me. Come back and tell me what you found. verse 9, the wise men are pretty wise. It says this, And after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen, When it rose, went above them until it came to to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Herod sends them to the place. That the child was prophesied to be born, which is Bethlehem, about five miles to the south. And they say, okay, we're going to head out. And just as they do, the star appears again. And this had to be really something supernatural in order to find the exact spot they were supposed to go. This, this had to be something amazing, more than just planets aligning, because God is drawing them to a house, one house in the midst of an entire town. And they start to get excited again, right? Because where the prophecy was and where the star is leading them, it all works out. So they get excited and they go and they find the house where Jesus and his family is. And some of you may be wondering, well, that's not how my nativity scene looks. Right, because the wise men, the kings, we three kings of Orient, or you know the whole thing. How come they're they're supposed to be in a stable or in a cave? Actually, by now they've moved into a house. We don't know if they rented their own house or if they moved into another relative's house. Initially, they were in the kind of the the barn area or the what we would consider kind of like a garage area or kind of like where they would keep livestock that was kind of attached to the house but not actually inside because so many people were in town taking up the guest space so now they moved into a house and so this star shows them where to go and they come in they don't wait they come right in and they they fall on their faces respected men known men men who had accomplished a lot who were educated men and they worship They worship Jesus. They know that this is someone we need to submit ourselves to because of what we've seen in the sky, what we've seen in our work and how it lines up with prophecy. We've seen this, so this is amazing. We need to worship this king. They don't just stand and go, Hey, how's it going, Mary and Joseph? Tell us about the delivery along what happened. You know exactly. No, what do they say? We come to worship, to put ourselves under you, Jesus. And if that wasn't enough, they opened up their treasures and they gave them gold and frankincense and myrrh, gold, to this poor peasant king, gold. Don't know how much, don't know what value, but significantly enough that it was major, giving you gold. Frankincense and myrrh were very, very expensive, probably the most expensive perfume available at the time. I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars they gave this peasant king. They worshiped him with what they had. When you think about that, these wise men, these magi, they show up from another country and they're drawn in to worship Jesus. Let me ask you are you a worshiper or are you a king? Are you a worshiper or are you a king? You see, a king says, I'm really concerned about maintaining control of my life. A worshiper says, it's all yours, Jesus. See, a king says, I need to make sure that I eliminate anyone that's going to tell me what to do, that I stay in control. A worshiper says, Jesus, you can have control because you really have it already. I'm just acknowledging what's really there and what's really real. See, at Christmas, we have to ask ourselves, am I a worshiper, or am I still trying to be king of my life? See, we have this unholy habit of when things kind of go okay, we step right into the throne and take credit. I'm in charge. Thanks, Jesus, for getting me here, but I got it from here. I'll let you know if I need some more help, but thanks for the push down the road. It's been great. You know, my engine stalled, and I've I put it in gear and popped the clutch. You gave me a little push, and off I went. I'll let you know if I need help anymore. And then 2020 happens, and you say, oh, wait a minute, I needed a king. I need a king. Are you a worshiper, or are you a king? Has the chaos of 2020, has it it harmed your kingdom? Has it pointed you to a new king? Have you taken a hit said, I need a king. I need Jesus. I need Jesus to be my king. That's what 2020 is about. That's what chaos is about, quite frankly. It's about reminding me I need a king. I need to submit myself to King Jesus. One of the things that happens, though, it happens to us just like it happened to the children of Israel. We can get into kind of a comfortable alliance with culture. And we can kind of say, Jesus, I don't really, I'm okay now. I've I've carved out my spot where I can live, where I'm comfortable, where nobody bothers me, where people kind of put up with me. Just leave me alone. And that's really what the children of Israel were saying to Jesus. Don't disrupt what we have with Rome. They didn't want to be the people of God that were going to bless the world. They just kind of wanted to survive and maintain their own power. Beware of that, because if that's us, then we're not worshipers, we're kings. Are you thrilled to let Jesus be king, even though it may change things and it may cause you to lose your opportunity for glory? Is it enough for Jesus to be king? I urge you, if it is, I want you to come and worship. Worship Jesus. He is worthy. He is worthy. You may say, Well, Steve, how do I do that? Because I know, you know, hey, I showed up at church or I I showed up on my couch to watch you all today. And how do I worship? Well, let me just give you four things from this story how the Magi worshiped. First, they responded to what they had, what had been revealed to them. They saw it in their work, they saw it in the sky, they heard it from local prophecy. Have you responded to what Jesus had revealed? to you in your heart. Have you made the journey to be a worshiper? Or are you still in Babylon? Well, I heard about Jesus. I think he's good. But I don't know if I can be a worshiper. I really am more comfortable being a king. I'm more comfortable being in charge. Don't miss worshiping the one who's worthy. Respond to what he's revealed in you. Secondly, you need to travel through the chaos. Travel through the... There's chaos every year, every day, and every... There's people in the way You say, man, I'd worship Jesus, except I know so many worshipers of Jesus, right? I know too many people who claim Jesus, and they don't, they don't, they're not really good people. I don't really like... Listen, all followers of Jesus have issues. And in a minute, I'm going to ask everyone to stand and share their issue. No, just kidding. Everybody at home said, man, I'm glad I stayed home today. Praise God, I'm on my couch. It's not going to happen. All of us have issues. And I pray that you would forgive us if we disappointed you. But don't let the chaos and the people who didn't even, weren't even looking for Jesus cause you to miss him. See, The chaos should cause us to search for him. The wise men, the magi, they traveled through the chaos. Don't let that chaos say, well, Jesus, how could a God this? How could a God allow that? How could a God not come and rescue his people? That's what Jesus did. Don't miss that. Travel through the chaos. Fourth, worship with everything that you are. Make that your identity. See, these magi, they came and they, they fell down on their faces before Jesus. A baby and a peasant mom and dad. They worshiped with everything that they were, their reputations, their careers, bodily, physically worshiping him. Is there something in your life that's not aligned with Jesus? doesn't fit. You're not able to worship with a relationship, or you're not able to worship with a career. You're not able to worship with a lifestyle. There's there's something that just holds you back and says, I got to be king of that. Oh, you're missing him. You miss being a worshiper and you're dealing with the chaos of trying to be a king. And then fourthly, they worshipped him. We need to worship him with everything that we have. Everything that we have. When you go to give and you say, Jesus, I, I know the church I should be giving, but I really kind of don't want to. What you're saying is I don't worship you. You're not really king of my stuff. I don't really trust you to care for me in 2020. I mean, there's opportunities to give right now that say, Jesus, here's my gold, here's my frankincense, here's my myrrh. I want to give to your church, or I want to give to the Lottie Moon offering, which you can designate that in your giving on your bank or in the envelope that says, I want to give to missions. Uh, Be faithful. Because if God were to look at your giving, would he say, oh, I think think you value me? Or would he look at your giving and say, well, that's really about what you spent on pizza. Seriously, worship him with everything you are. Make every effort to worship him. And I know some of you are unable to be here because you can't leave your facility or you wouldn't be able to get back in. But I got to tell you, some of you need to get off your couch. This is a safe place to worship, both inside and out. If you're not comfortable inside, outside is really safe. Don't miss worship, don't miss worshiping the king. He's worthy. When I was a senior in high school, I made a decision. I decided that I needed to change positions. I went to the coaching staff, and I said, Coach, I really think Jim is going to be the starting quarterback, and I'd like to be a split end if I could. That would be great. And they were kind of surprised, and they said, OK. And at homecoming, I caught a touchdown pass thrown by Jim. I got to celebrate his greatness I got to participate in how, and he really was good. I think he was all area. Um, I don't think I would have even been all team anyway. Um, and I got, to, I got to celebrate and be a part of it. And I would like to say that it was a selfless thing, that I, I did it for the team, that what's best for the team, that's what I wanted to know. I just wanted to play. I didn't want to sit on the bench over here. I do not want to miss out. You see, there's a lot of reasons I I come to worship. I worship because Jesus is worthy. When I worship him, I say, Jesus, I just want to be on the team. I'm not worthy to be king, but you are. And he graciously says, yes, come and be on the team. I'm going to throw you some glory. You're going to catch some passes. It's going to be amazing. It's either that or you can sit on the bench and sulk. And keep trying to be king, and you're never going to be king. Are you a worshiper? Or are you a king? I urge you, come and worship and get to participate in the glory of Jesus. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus to know others and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.